In the spring of 2021, Jinx Monsoon and Nick Zahoya recorded a Futurama recap podcast. For reasons unknown, it was never released. These are the raw tapes. I'm 40% everyone and welcome to the seventh episode of I'm 40% podcast. I'm Jinx Monsoon and as usual I have this little shithead with me here. Mom, His- don't swear. Don't swear. You're it's turning swearing, people off right off swearing the bat. Swearing is how, no, no, like swears are no big deal anymore. Mom, you know, like people no. communicate freely with swears these days. I thought I've been thinking about it and we're, this is the seventh episode, and you haven't really found your groove yet. And I'm thinking, <laughs> let's let's lean into what you're good at. I don't want you to embarrass I'm yourself in front of our guests. I'm just trying to introduce the episode. Like, well, there's, I, there's then not listen a right to me. way or wrong way to, to do you. that. I'm here to help you. As long as I you're spit out at... the information, that's all that matters. What I'm saying is you're good at singing. <laughs> compliment, right? That's a compliment. <laughs> I'm being nice to you. So why don't you sing Welcome the intro and then you won't? Yeah. To, um, I hate you. Okay, so no, we have a very ex- that was sh- so good. I will not have you belittling me in in front God. of our guest. Okay, so this so is very ve- toxic already. <laughs> I mean, it's like incredibly dysfunctional. There's a lot of gaslighting happening already on both ends. Oh, I'm very excited. Our guest today is um, uh, a living legend, a queer advocate, a queer icon, and one of my heroes. Everybody, Margaret Cho is our guest Hi, today. Hello, thank Margaret. You. I love you. Thank you. That's so wonderful. Hello. Thank you for How- being here, Margaret. How Thank are you, you surviving you. these days? What are your top three survival methods? <laughs> um, ordering cat trees off of Etsy. <laughs> <laughs> Number one. Also, uh, cat clothing, um, which she the cat's going to wear the same size as my dog. So I, they can oh. switch outfits. So now they have Chinese <laughs> emperor outfits. They have kimonos. They have uh, kipals, which is the Chinese dresses with the silky collars. Mm-hmm. Um, which I feel like I've seen you in before. Um, <laughs> Me? Yeah, beautiful or beautiful like <laughs> '60s kind of very slim silken gown things. That's what I sort of remember. Yeah, I've been all over the place with my fashion throughout the years, and now it's like with my you know my changing feminine body. You know, I've beautiful. got I've got new curves to display. Ooh, gorgeous. Also, I remember a lot of... Oh, yeah. It's nice that your cat and dog are the same size, though, because it's like when you get a partner who's the same size as you and you double your wardrobe. Yes, so they doubled their wardrobe. They have... um, They also have a lot of, like... uh, There's, like, fake sheep skin, kind of like... They look like Uggs, but they're fake, (laughs) but they're, like... um, So they, like, like, moving Uggs around and... 
Um, but ah. yeah, it's I love the clothing element. I, they also have like Japanese schoolgirl outfits that I had for my other dogs, <laughs> who um, were much larger. But uh, I think they'll grow into them. We'll see. I really like having cats because um, I. I, I buy things for them that I'm interested in um, mm -hmm. and I live vicariously through them. And half the time they don't g give a shit about the things I get for them. You know, like we have Ooh. so many cat trees because I was like, they're going to need this cat tree over here in this area and this cat. And they have their one favorite cat tree and every other cat tree is ignored. But that's what I love about cats. Ooh. They make you work for them. They're very they manipulative do. creatures, but they also, you know, like nuzzle your face and then it feels worth it. <laughs> it is worth it. But I find that, like, the cat tree aesthetic is so ugly all the time. It's so, like, carpet and weird. It's like the um, cat equivalent to, like, a big um, sort of a, a weird, like, new condo. It's just so ugly. Like, it's like, why is this so offensive? It's like a big mansion, but for cats. It's so yeah. awful. <laughs> they can be... Um... Uh, they can be useful in situations you wouldn't expect. Like we, um, as you know, I had an at-home Zoom wedding last weekend. Yeah. And um, we actually put um, much of the equipment on a cat tree. And it was That's perfect great. for um, broadcasting a wedding. So they should was start. Was perfect? perfect? <laughs> I tried to roll my R, but I missed. Perfect. You know when you miss? Yeah. It's <laughs> very it's embarrassing. It's hard like when to you catch... <laughs> it's like when you try to roll your R and you can't and it just sounds uh, disgusting or when you try to whistle perfect. and it's just that like dry little like <laughs> <laughs> it's like a millimeter of difference don't yeah, get mad it, at me mom but comedy is all about details um, <laughs> so Margaret <laughs> I have seen every episode of American Girl I've oh. seen so many of your comedy specials you've been yeah. such a, such a, um, an inspirational advocate throughout my life that's just getting all the gushing out of the way because now it. we're going to talk you. very um, yes. we're going to talk very seriously about Futurama and <laughs> yes if you didn't know to the extent that I nerd out about things, you will by the mm -hmm. end of this. Mm -hmm. um, have you, oh wait, you told me you have an, uh, a funny story about Futurama because. Yes. Um, yeah. I met uh, Matt Groening actually at the audition for Futurama, which um, I went to many, many, many years ago because I used to be mostly um I guess, yeah, mostly like a voice actor. So I've done a lot of like voice things. And I used to be on this show called The Critic, which some of the writers are from Futurama and Simpsons mm -hmm. sort of went on to do that. And then, so um, they brought me in and I met Matt Groening. He was so nice. And then I remember seeing him later with Amy Tan. And Amy Tan had on this <laughs> giant um, Simpsons baseball jacket filled with Yorkies. <laughs> there was at least four Yorkies in the jacket. <laughs> and it was at a nightclub. I think it was like a comedy club. And it was the strangest thing because she was wearing this giant Simpsons jacket, but it was moving and it had all of the Simpsons on it. So it was like, they were all like moving. And um, so that, and she was with Matt Groening and they're good friends. 
but uh, he was very nice. And then um, on The Simpsons, in uh, one episode or two episodes I mentioned, one of them, um, Homer Simpson says that I'm, uh, I think, his favorite comedian. So that's a good one. Um, Wait, Homer <laughs> Homer says that you're one of his, his favorite favorites. Or one of, okay. I think it's one of his favorites or his favorite. I can't remember. But it's in there. That's it's great, in a though. couple of different things. So, yes, it's very exciting. Um, so, but I really wanted the part in Future Mind. I can't remember even which part it was. So I'm like, I, when I went back and watched the episode, I was like, I wonder which one it was. I can't remember. Maybe it was a general one where it was, they were just meeting you to see what they would do with you later. Yeah. But, um, yeah, very exciting. Cause I love the, um, Life is Hell, Love is Hell book series before he became, um, Simpsons guy, you know, so I oh, knew really? his work. He's much- written books. Yeah, um, they were all. Are about they cartoons also? Because that would yeah. help us to get through them. <laughs> they were like graphic novels and comic strips, and um, him oh, and cool. Linda Berry, I absolutely love. Um, they're great. They were great sort of alternative comic strip. You know, like they they did um, sort of graphic novels, and uh, but they weren't as detailed as somebody like Dan Klaus mm-hmm. or P- Peter Baggy. A little different, d- different from like Eight Ball and Ghost World. It was more. Um, these very line drawings that were similar to what The Simpsons is and a really great, great, great thing. I think they would do that when they used to have alternative weekly in um, cities like the L.A. Weekly or the SF Weekly they, or the Bay Guardian, which is the big San Francisco alternative paper. They would have their strips in there. Wow. I All I'm hearing is that there's pictures, so my brain will <laughs> yes. be able to like have the capacity for that. But Absolutely. <laughs> Mom, when's the last time you Mom, when's the last time you read a book? I'm currently reading a book, thank you very much. I'm not judging it's I, taking just me, based on what you said. I'm trying to It's taking me a very long time to get through it, but I'm 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 happy to be have reading they once on more. Pop yet? <laughs> no, um, my my partner encouraged me to read a book, and I started reading it, and and then I was like, as I'm reading it, I'm like, oh my god, when's the last time I read a book? You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> and it was so thrilling to be reading a book again. So I'm very much enjoying the process, even though I think drag queens, um, we cater our lives to our indulgences you know <laughs> so it's like as soon as um as soon as playing video games became more fun books went out you know <laughs> um, thank you for calling me illiterate in front of one of my heroes um so anyway Margaret, uh, <laughs> you read a lot of books <laughs> i do um but only like to study for things like um, since I, I will like this is the first time I've ever had cats. I've been reading all, all those Jackson Galaxy mm. books, um, the Kimojo cat catification. So I read books only for the function like that and cookbooks only for the function. I'll need the information for something. So I don't read for entertainment per se. I used to. But then um, I think it. I don't know what it was. I just sort of, it, it sort of went went to different things. Well, like streaming, streaming and binging TV yeah. tickles. I feel like when you're watching TV, you can do another thing kind of while you're doing it. Exactly. You could like maybe clean up a little bit or look at mm-hmm. your phone. But if I'm you're reading a book, that's all you're allowed to do. And you can't yeah. even yes. listen to music because then you think of the words in the song when you're trying to read the words in the book. 
oh yeah, that's impossible to do, you know. So, so then you don't do anything. Uh, you don't. Yeah. You don't remember the. You don't remember the book, and you don't listen to the music. It's very. Yeah. It's frustrating. <laughs> I think we are all similarly minded because, like, the more um, computer-brained people in my life all read like. Um, three books at once and you know <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I feel like reading books um, is like a superior a superiority complex you know people mm-hmm. only read books so that they can look down on other people <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah I bet all the people who like read books in cafes like before the pandemic are just sitting at home watching cartoons now because <laughs> no one can <laughs> yeah. see them reading their leather bound books <laughs> I know their first editions <laughs> of infinite jazz. Um, my um, middle school teacher apparently went to school with Matt Groening, and she would bring. She would. Um, she would do. Her name was Jody Foster. She had a like a Minnesota accent. Um, she, she was, was just in one of the most. Driver. <laughs> she was. She was. Uh, you know, like as a young queer kid, I was obsessed with her because she was just one of those like unique once in a lifetime people. And then Ooh. on top of all of it, she went to school with Matt Groening because he. I think he was raised here in Portland, Oregon, which is where I Ooh. am right now. Yeah. Um, so. It, and like my ex boyfriend um, lived on the street, like near the Evergreen Terrace, which is you know where the Simpsons live. So I feel like Matt uh, Matt Groening has just um, implanted himself in my life since birth. Um, and Ooh. like I, I think, this- I, yeah, I can, yeah, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. I think the Simpsons. Um, I don't want them to ever be off air because I'm afraid like my life force is intertwined with the Simpsons. Like, do you ever yeah. assign weird meaning to things like that? Like oh, of the course. Simpsons think, came out yeah. the year I was born. So now I'm afraid that if they end, I end. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's very, uh, um, yeah, I, I love that. I think that's very, I think that's very real and very true. My thing is, um, I believe that the ghost of my past self is walking around cities. Then I'll greet them every ah. once in a while. So if I'm in Portland, I'll see myself walking down Hawthorne. I'll see myself at Pop Park. Oh, wow. Um, That's so, so cute. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 like going around New York City. New York City is where it probably happens the most. That in San Francisco, mm-hmm. where you remember. It's, I think it's because I've been high so much yeah. in all of those mm. different places that my Absolutely. high self is still high there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're getting into alternate realities and time so hiccups deep. and yes. wibbly wobbly timey wimey. Um, anyway, what she did you She started watching Doctor Who and she can't go through Stop one it. goddamn Stop episode it. without talking Stop. about Doctor Who. And I've okay. been trying to get her to watch Buffy for like seven, eight, I know ten it's years. the same Ooh. level of cheese. Okay, I understand that. Um, do you like Buffy, Margaret? <laughs> I do like Buffy, but um, so the creator of Buffy, one of the one of the all the, the producers behind Buffy showed me because what they went on, they had done um one the one of the person that did it was uh, a producer on my TV show, All American Girl. So she was gonna she was starting up about Buffy and showing me what Buffy was gonna be. This is before it went on the air, and I was like, oh, I don't think that's gonna work. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like really bad predictor of things like the internet. I'm like, oh, that's never gonna, that's never gonna happen. 
<laughs> oh, no way. Um, no. That's, that's hilarious. And so you had never seen Futurama before. You had never watched it before we Ooh. incited no. this. <laughs> no. And then I watched it and then I was like, oh, I must have watched this because I, it seemed familiar. <laughs> like I was like, I've seen this before. Of course, it's Katie Seagal and Lauren yeah. Tom. And so I'm like, oh, of course I know this. So that for some reason, it's like that and like King of the Hill and a lot of this sort of very big animation doesn't stick in my mind as like, oh, I remember this or I've seen this or I've been there. It's weirdly um, absent, which is very strange, but it's an ever-present thing. So I have seen it, but I don't remember. But the episode that I watched for this, I hadn't seen. Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I... um. I have just always preferred cartoons as, <laughs> I mean, I love a lot of live action television, obviously, and there's some really amazing stuff for human beings to watch nowadays, but cartoons have always just spoken particularly to me. And so Futurama is, I think, one of the best written adult animation shows. And um, Nick and I have seen every episode hundreds of thousands of times and we basically began this podcast because we said we could probably have an entire conversation just in Futurama quotes. We've yet to do that, but that's basically where we started. That might and- be like a Patreon <laughs> challenge. <laughs> <laughs> but this episode for me, um, I think it's where the the show turns the corner and starts becoming um, really, really, really good because they're kind of done with all the exposition now. And Mm -hmm. now they get to get into crazy, like, what if Fry becomes emperor for a day of an alien planet and they Mm want to assassinate him? So this is a very exciting era for Futurama. And I'm glad that you joined us for this episode. Yeah, I love it because this is like when it starts to get into social commentary, you know, and I think that's what's so great about Matt Groening is that it always leans into the social commentary and it's all these things are eternal. And even though this is a long time ago, it actually could be just as relevant today. You know, I loved I loved that about the show. And um, there's a kind there's a kind of timelessness to animation and, and in particular like Matt Groening's style of animation, that it's just, it endures. It can be anytime, anywhere, and it still feels fresh and modern. It's yeah. funny that you say that, because I didn't even put together that at the end, they're like storming the Capitol. <laughs> like, yeah. All these, <laughs> all totally. these like, rubes are kind of yeah. storming the Capitol. And also just that the the truth of the politics and the <laughs> it's like Fry just stumbled into becoming emperor and people are already trying to assassinate him like before he's even been sworn in. Um, this well, it's episode all like commentary about the meaninglessness of power and how it's a very um, arbitrary choice. You know, a lot of times it's sort of right time, right place. Mm-hmm. Like you're in the right time and the right place to drink the emperor, then you're going to be the emperor. <laughs> you know, you can just walk into it and never really acknowledge. It's like Trump, you know, it's like he didn't, he does no, no real, real reason why he should be president or why. It was just <laughs> that he kind of decided, okay, I can figure out how to walk into this because he's ha- he's never held any office. He's never been the mayor of anything. <laughs> he doesn't know what the job entails. 
It's it's very it was I mean, the whole thing has been so baffling. And we can also look at the fact that Fry also has orange hair. Um, mm-hmm. I, <laughs> wow. if we want to keep I, I mean, yeah. like there's like a lot of conspiracy theories out there about how the Simpsons have predicted most of what's already happened in our life. That's true, yeah. but also if you have 500 episodes of anything, then like, yeah, if you comb through it, you can find yeah, it's, accurate it's like, prediction. It's like the monkeys with the typewriters. Eventually one of them's going to write Shakespeare. You know? Yeah, <laughs> It was the best of times. It was, it was the, the worst, worst of times. Of times. <laughs> uh, you stupid monkey. <laughs> That's a different um, show. Yeah, we might just start quoting things out of nowhere. I'm sorry, Margaret. (laughs) So we get a really fun... This is one of my favorite uh, cold opens because Bender is going through the robot wash. It's like a car wash, but for a robot. Uh And it's Mm -hmm. one of the rare times we get to see Bender really excited about something. He's so (laughs) stoked to go through. Are you kidding me? One of the rare times Bender gets excited about about everything. He's so stoked about something that's so like menial and like day-to-day, you know? Obviously, you identify with Bender, and you're trying to make him a more likable character than he is. I've already (laughs) said several times I'm Fry. (laughs) I know. You're the living embodiment of Fry. Um... Um, I just like any time they parody songs, you know, um, and make it about the future. You know, working at the bot wash in the year twenty five, twenty five, twenty five. You know these yeah. these are the hits. Um, they didn't really put a lot of like if this was a Weird Al song, I would be like maybe do a rewrite. <laughs> you didn't change a ton of words. Bot wash was all it needed. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it's that's all a you very, need. Yeah. Um, what were your initial? Uh, thoughts to the episode who who are characters that stand out to you margaret well i think all of the water um the (laughs) emperor and all of the the whole water kingdom i love that i love that you know the idea of people just being water because we're pretty much 85 percent water anyway so it's pretty true um so that to me seemed really like, oh, this is a great idea. <laughs> this should just be water people. Well, the water, like, they, they seem so fluid and uh, <laughs> they seemed really refreshing. It was a refreshing I liked thing. at the end when they were like celebrating and they do it by just jumping into the air and like becoming mist. <laughs> yeah. That sounds so fun. <laughs> it's so fun. There's a lot of the mechanics of the water people that I want to understand better. I mean, like, mm-hmm. there's there's just basic facts I'd like to have about the water people. The one thing How much really space s- they take up seems to yeah, be... Yeah, because that seems to be... Um, um, you know, kind of amorphous, you know, how much density they actually have. And then if Fry drinks the emperor and the emperor stays alive inside of Fry, how come every emperor that's drunk an emperor before, what? Did, because uh, they were drank Do they by, have to digest they were drinking. <laughs> they were drinking by a water drinking. person, so they just became part of their stomach. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's yeah. got to be some anatomy crossover there, so... But also, did Fry not pee all day? Yeah, like maybe they don't pee. Maybe cartoons don't pee, or um, they they had some sort of like standards and practice about that. But that that they were going to make him cry was also a great statement on masculinity and toxic masculinity and the numbness of toxic masculinity. 
There is um, commentary on masculinity all throughout this episode, starting with the with the B plot, the the plot that sets up for um, Fry becoming emperor, and that's that Bender he has wants to, to be a thirsty chef. first. <laughs> yeah, he has how to become can we so get Fry thirsty. thirsty? <laughs> uh, how can we get Fry thirsty? I don't know. Uh, something about a slug, a giant slug. Uh, Bender cooks a slug. Uh, too much salt on the Bender slug. Bender likes there, we salt. Got it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love that moment in the beginning where Bender's, you know, confesses he wants to be a cook and Fry goes, it's okay, Bender. I like to cook too. And then he, he starts walking away and Bender goes, you wuss. Like, after, <laughs> they just all, um, that's my favorite. That's my favorite thing about the humor in Futurama is, is it's just like constant bait and switch. Um, mm-hmm. I really like the writing. I really like the writing. Um, First appearance of Elzar. <laughs> Elzar, the uh, Emerald. The Emerald uh, parody. Lagasse? What's his last oh, yeah. name? Emerald Lagasse. Lagasse. And He's if you think Gassi. about Got it. when the um, episode <laughs> came out, that's when Food Network and Emerald was really kind of at its height. So you had, and that was the first time that it had sort of like an audience for like a food show where you remember he had like a brass band from New Orleans and like frozen like of his spice mix into <laughs> the gumbo and people would cheer or they would cheer for pork products. Like it was very strange. <laughs> like he was gonna he was gonna kick it up a notch and make it spicy and people would go nuts. Like there's cumin <laughs> Like, it's such a weird um, And now you phenomenon. think about where cooking's at now on TV. It's like... <laughs> cutthroat kit. I mean, like, they literally are trying to kill each other now in yeah. cooking and competition make shows. palatable that don't go together. Like, that's just like, here, do something. Like, you know, the <laughs> ingredients where they just go, and that to me is really stressful. <laughs> yeah, I I love it though. I love cooking shows. You know, when I had to, I I don't know if you know this, but I went on a reality TV competition show myself, and one of the ways I detoxed afterward was by binging cooking shows, bin, uh, cooking Ooh. competition shows, because mm-hmm. when you come home from filming something like that, you want to obsess over it mm-hmm. and want to try to like predict how it's going to like come out after the editing, and to get my brain out of that space I would just watch competitive cooking shows because I was mm-hmm. like look at these people act crazy over making you know some tuna fish sandwiches <laughs> you know, know. <laughs> and it would kind of help me think like no matter what happens at the end of the day I'm just um, putting on makeup and being funny you know like it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be the the music where it's like do 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 or the acoustic guitar when everything's better when yeah. everything's fine <laughs> when you survive <laughs> it's like they use the major chord minor chord thing all the time to like show you when you're in peril and when you're happy it's a very it's a very interesting trick yeah um i i really um i can i feel like i can taste the slug that um that bender prepared you know bender is creating a neptunian slug yeah that uh, he sees Elzar making on TV. And Elzar recommends you can get your Neptunian slug canned, but if you want it to be really good, you got to strangle a fresh one. Mm-hmm. 
Um, cooking in the future sounds very dangerous because now you have to incorporate alien cuisine. And so it sounds like there's a lot of, you know, skill for humans to cook <laughs> Neptunian <laughs> cooking. Well, but also ben- <laughs> the gag is that Bender doesn't have any taste buds <laughs> and wants to be a cook, which is funny. <laughs> <laughs> How could you be a cook? You don't even have any sense of taste. I wouldn't accept that coming from someone wearing a lime green tank top. <laughs> um, Which is so they, funny because she's only wearing the tank top for that joke. She never wears, she never a, wears a lime tank green top tank top <laughs> again. Um, yeah, it's poor, poor Leela has no sense of fashion. Um, but when he <laughs> pours the salt on that slug and it shrinks down and then he cuts it into individual pieces, I feel like I've tasted that before. Like, I feel like I've eaten Was it your salty jerky. turkey? Excuse me. My turkey is always moist and well-seasoned. Um, <laughs> ha- but what's the saltiest thing you've ever eaten? Oh, probably um, uh, some kind of sea cucumber that that's been preserved. Oh. So, so pres- mm-hmm. any sort of preserved, because like, um, yeah, Korean food can get really preserved. But that whole sequence reminded me of one time I went to a restaurant with my mom in the mountains uh, near the border of North Korea, and we climbed to the we climbed to the restaurant, and the restaurant was just. A stone, uh, p- uh, like a tide pool outside the restaurant with a bunch of sea creatures in it. And my mom went, quick, okay, this one and this one and this one. And then we went and we sat at like a stone table inside this hut. And they brought all of the sea creatures that they had just smashed with a hammer. <laughs> and brought it with like a dipping sauce. And my mom was like, oh, this is so good. And it was so fucked up like i was freaked (laughs) out like i'm like no 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 no. that's not cool that's not cool and it was so scary were you cold i was cold and i was terrified (laughs) i have nothing that can even begin to compare to that story as far as eating (laughs) i have not had i feel like i haven't eaten now after you've explained that story to me i feel like (laughs) I feel like I don't know what's real anymore. <laughs> but that's like, to me, like that, that you know, because it's like very salty sea creatures that, you know, their bodies are pretty much salt water. Uh-huh. So you're just eating the broken remains of them and they're still kind of alive. <laughs> like, I love oysters, but I did have to have a moment where I realized it's I'm it just feels like I'm taking a big shot of salt water for no reason. <laughs> but I freaking love it. It's delicious, but it's also very much like um, you're just eating part of the sea, which is also good. It can be really good. And I think I like oysters, too, because there's something very primal and alive about it. (laughs) Oysters and lobsters, food you have to like, you have to like be involved in the eating of. The getting the getting things out. I do love um, crustaceans. I love lobsters and crabs. I actually have my own... um, Lobster and crab uh, deshelling set that I'll bring when I when during we're not in quarantine. I'll go to a, a restaurant with the paper on the table, <laughs> and I have my own. It's like a surgeon. It's like and you roll it out. You roll it out, and it's out. all monogrammed. 
Yeah, it's very, very precise, and I can get every little bit of everything out of the crustacean. <laughs> that is just like Ben Dillacrem's the same way. She has to, if, when we have our annual lobster in Provincetown, mm-hmm. she has to, she, it's like a, it's a whole, it's a all day event for her. I'm like, and when it comes to lobster, I eat the parts I like, and then the rest of it, I'm like, okay, thank you. It's <laughs> you a lot know? of work. It's, it's a, lot a lot of work. work and, and I don't feel passionately about like you know scooping out the entire <laughs> have you ever eaten um escargot or a snail yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah I, that... I haven't and i don't think i would nick's a fairly picky eater when we live together i mean it's a point well, of contention. Just, it's not, I didn't even, I didn't like or dislike your food. That was not the issue. The issue is I would come home from a long day of work. I've already like maybe eaten a snack and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to heat up this one thing for dinner. And no she's like, here's a four course meal. told you you had to eat you the meals You specifically I did. <laughs> I'm with just happy I live with, with your people eyes. who appreciate my cooking now. The issue is I was a latchkey kid and I had to cook my meals <laughs> from a very young age. And Aww. when we were arguing about this, I said to Jinx, I said, what, do you just like go home and expect people to have made food for you? And she's like, yeah, that's how yeah. families work. <laughs> yeah. And um, I was like, oh, the problem is me. <laughs> <laughs> latchkey kid. Uh in the West Hills. In the- <laughs> what are you talking the- about? <laughs> Latchkey Kid um, makes it sound like you were like a little boxcar child, you know, like hopping from rail to rail throughout the... <laughs> That's objectively Aww. what I was. I was <laughs> not a boxcar not. kid. <laughs> no, a Latchkey Kid is what I was, not that boxcar thing you described. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so Fry eats the slug. He's thirsty. <laughs> oh wait, it is we funny that over. they have like a formal dining room that they never yeah, like. How long is this delivery? How long is this fucking delivery? Why is um, he? Why is we, there a chef on the ship at all? <laughs> we skipped over one of my favorite lines in the entire futurama series it's when the professor (laughs) the professor (laughs) tells the crew they're going to be going to this planet for their next delivery um in the in the forbidden zone zone. (laughs) and leela goes are we even allowed in the forbidden zone and the professor says it's just a name why (laughs) like the death zone or the zone of no return all the zones have names like that in the galaxy of terror Uh, (laughs) just sends them on the way um i love that you know, this is what I love about sci-fi shows and animated shows is they can just say anything they want and make it happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like they can just make up a planet. And since they don't have to find um, people who look like these aliens or do prosthetics, I guess it's the more practical approach. <laughs> <laughs> like, just casting call is that? <laughs> yeah. We need water people. Uh, we need people made of water. <laughs> in any case, when you like set something in the future and in outer space, you, can, you like the possibilities are limitless. But then it always just comes back to doing like this old Borscht Belt vaudeville slapstick comedy. (laughs) Um, 
Fry is very thirsty. He's walking. He's walking through, through the desert. The desert. He sees the big sun go down. And he's like, "Get, <laughs> get out of here, big sun!" And then an even bigger sun comes up immediately. That's fun. <laughs> By the time he makes it to the destination um, for his delivery, he um, is very thirsty. And he sees a cool, refreshing... And they do a very good job of making that bottle look refreshing. Mm-hmm. Jinx always wants to the condensation. the things that she sees <laughs> on the TV. That's like a thing with her. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what it's for. That's what... I mean, that's what it makes you want to do. That's what all food on TV is styled to do. Mm-hmm. Even animated food. Yeah. <laughs> sandwiches always I mean don't sandwiches look really good on cartoons and then you eat a sandwich yeah. and you remember that it's just a sandwich <laughs> but it always looks good especially like a dagwood that has like a whole fish in the middle yeah. and like you know those really like tall ones I always like the that what of the brontosaurus ribs on the Flintstones that oh. not, like knocked oh. over the car. That's that gotta be tasty. Cartoon meat always looks so much better, and then you get a real a chicken leg, and it's all like crooked and <laughs> small. <It's weird. laughs> um, uh, Fry becomes emperor, <laughs> and I love quite so. Like the first thing Leela says um, is, "You just." waltzed into a place you've never been before and drank a mysterious blue liquid. <laughs> it could have been anything. It could have been poison. And Fry says, yes, but there was an equal chance that it could be an emperor. <laughs> <laughs> and then they um, they are talking to kind of like the greater delegation of leaders on this planet and one of them's like well sir it's time to pick your prime minister I would suggest the previous appointee Gorgak and he's like I would be an esteemed and principled administrator and then he goes with Bender instead I gotta go with Bender on this later when Amy is soaking her nails Mm -hmm. that's Gorgak so she was soaking her nails in Gorgak yeah in the former prime minister Okay, I was just not sure if that was a common voice and- on this planet or what. <laughs> no, it's gotta be. It's gotta still be Gorgak. Why is he still <laughs> hanging around the palace? He doesn't you know, have a job. <laughs> you know, once like it would have been more hassle to make him leave the palace. I think at that point. <laughs> I mean, no one's expecting Fry to be around for long. Like Leela says, most of the emperors were drunk during their coronation. <laughs> well, then that That's seems the like a good job. Of power going on here is that people it seems make like- it about a week. Gorgak is the prime minister like several administrations over he probably has like a pension he probably has like secret service (laughs) detail no one's trying to assassinate him because there's no line of power there he's got the good gig yeah yeah it's more like the British setup, right? You know, where the monarchy's just there for us to like be like, oh, head thank goodness we still have a monarchy. And they have a, they have a real government. They have yeah. like a, you know the houses of parliament and all of that, but they don't have the the monarchy only is there, I think, for like public focus or ceremonial public purposes. Ceremonial purposes. I mean, I'm sure that they have some thing like well they have like their charitable things and you know whatever they do has like a very big attention you know on whatever it is you know I don't really know but the crown has given me 
a lot of information that I didn't know as an American. Um, watching The Crown has got me up to speed with how the monarchy <laughs> works. It doesn't make it make any more sense to me, but um, at least I understand it better because my partner is British. And I think, you know, it, there's so many things that as Americans, I forget that like people outside of America don't just know about Mr. Clean or <laughs> don't just know about like Cool Whip or something. Yeah. <laughs> and for them, it's like they don't understand that like people in America just don't understand how the monarchy works and why the queen is <laughs> still. <laughs> yeah. Jinx actually married this British guy because she thought it would make her a princess, but. <laughs> it, oh, she didn't find out it. until too late. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I am bilingual now. Um, I speak American and British. So That's good. Yeah. Tell us a word <laughs> of the day, Jinx, in British. <laughs> um, I'll come back to me on that. All of that came to mind. Do you know? It's like the stupidest <laughs> things make me so angry like that they say rubbish <laughs> instead of trash shall i rubbish. sort the rubbish bin i'm like say take out the trash <laughs> you're driving me nuts you know <laughs> margaret can you do a british accent <laughs> not really i mean it's hard to do a real one it's too fun one do, a hard to do a real one it's hard it's hard to do a real one i don't know it turns really good. into it turns into like Australian, like no. <laughs> well, Australian's like, Australia, more fun, I think, is the problem. Yeah. Australia's really fun because it's really no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. That's a good one. That's a good no. Um, it, no. I. I feel like the main thing that Americans do when they try to imitate British people is they they use every British accent they've ever heard. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like they'll say some things in Cockney and some things in received pronunciation and some things in the Queen's English. So then we just sound idiotic, like trying to sound British to British people because they're like, ah, at a mo for a moment you were from Liverpool and then another moment you were from Blackwich or whatever, North Sh Black Westington. Quit. <laughs> it's so weird how they can always tell where people are from that to me blows my yeah. mind like how do you know but then we always know if like people are from like say the south i guess or boston or or boston yeah boston. So we know that. <laughs> maybe they're just picking up on one or two words because i had an ex from philly and he would say water instead of water oh yeah yeah Water. 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 <laughs> yeah, my ex is from Philly too, and he's in water. water. What's his name? Is it water the same ice. one? Water. His name is Rocco. No, different guy. <laughs> it could be. There could be a lot of them. They're all from there. Maybe he changed his water. name. Yeah. <laughs> water. Um, I'm so programmed that as soon as I heard the name Ro Rocco, I wanted to make a Rocco's Modern Life um joke but that's that's just me being a cartoon addict again we we, we learn these things reveal. about ourselves <laughs> we, get a, we get a funny reveal because uh it turns out the delivery was a sign that says please don't drink the emperor <laughs> and that's just and a little throwaway joke <laughs> this couldn't have come soon enough <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> 
Um, Fry um, so cavalier about becoming emperor. And I, I think, you know, we were talking about like commentary on gender roles and masculinity throughout this episode. Um, the whole thing is like Fry doesn't like Leela telling him what to do all throughout the episode and why he's so obstinate about like, um, you know, Leela's trying to point out to him that it's not a good idea for him to just stick around and see if it, someone t- tries to drink him. <laughs> but he's so cocky and so headstrong and is so self-assured that he deserves this, that he just goes barreling through. And I love when Leela says, I'm never going to help you again. I'm <laughs> and storms out. He's like, I'll be fine. And a straw comes out from <laughs> the shadows <laughs> trying to hit him in the neck because they're already trying to assassinate him. And he just smacks it off and goes, quit it. <laughs> We skipped um, over his harem, which is like 25 <laughs> bottles in a closet. <laughs> and, and the administrator guy is kind of like being judgy about which bottle he's picking. But that also is kind of performative masculinity. Because why does this guy yeah. care what Fry's into? Yeah. That. Yeah. <laughs> It's a very toxically masculine planet. I didn't see any lady emperors on that wall. (laughs) There's so, there's so many things in this episode where I'm like, I just don't know what I would do in that situation. If someone told you to like go into a room full of bottles, full of liquid and pick out (laughs) someone to have sex with. (laughs) Like, what do you do in that situation? And every time you pick one, just like at random, arbitrarily pick one, the guy there is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) What's it going to be? What's in that bottle? Why are those (laughs) bottles there in the first place if it's so offensive? That's the harem. (laughs) I know. And I was like, is some of it like carbonated water? Or some of it like... Ionized waters or smart oh. water in there. Like, I'm like, maybe there's like a LaCroix. Yeah, maybe there's just tap. Mm. You know? <laughs> oh, that's the I, problem. Yeah, this sounds like we're getting into, like, that could probably be what their class struggles are about on this planet. Yeah, like, tap like water. some is like Evian and some is. Fry <laughs> is canonically 25, we learn in this episode. So. Yeah. Good. Write it so down. we'll know that for forever. He's twenty five. How old do we think Leela is? Like she's got to be in her early thirties, right? No, no. Leela's too prudent to, to still be in her. No, she's a smart headed girl because she had to grow up on the mean streets. She's an orphan. <laughs> she had to grow up fast. <laughs> I mean, that is a factor in it, but she's just so prudent and sensible. There's no way she's. Her Saturn has returned. She's become a sensible businesswoman. She's starting her <laughs> second career late in life. Late in life. I just thought 28. That she looked like um, Sarah Connor, like Linda Hamilton, Sarah Connor. Oh, like, yeah. Because that's sort of what she reminded me of is that era. Linda Hamilton. Is it Linda Hamilton? Yeah. 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 The body is that Terminator? No, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's Terminator, yeah. Okay, there's so many movies I've never seen. I've seen every cartoon that exists, but I've never seen Terminator. <laughs> oh, you know what cartoon I would recommend? Um, it's really good. It's on YouTube. It's called Child Tune, and it's Korean. And it's, mm-hmm. they have English Tune? subtitles. Child Tune. So it's J-J-A-L Tune. T-O-O-N, Child Tune. And it's really funny. And the one today, I watch it every day. And the one today actually made me cry, but it because it was like really unexpected. Because he has these like he has a 
pigeon and a cat and a dog and a mouse that um, don't obey him. It's kind of like a guy. He's like a YouTuber, but it's all cartoons. And he has these pets <laughs> that, that boss him. And the pets <laughs> went out today. So it was really unexpected and beautiful. So I would I would recommend it. It's only like five minutes. Do they do a new one every day, though? Yeah. Wow. But they do a new one every like 12 hours. Um, oh. But they're only like five minutes long. But they're so good. I'm going to get into it. It's I really find good. that like there's there's something happening where uh, I feel like I'm the only one who's still in my house who still likes to watch episodes of things. A lot of my mm -hmm. ho housemates just like to watch Tell YouTube channels it. now. They don't have the attention spans to watch the whole episode of something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so short form stuff is really, uh, and I think that we're like seeing this new renaissance of short form entertainment for better or for worse. But it's also not like it, it you know, but, but people binge things so that I couldn't imagine before watching a 12 hour movie, but we'll sit there and watch a whole <laughs> series <laughs> yeah. in a day. And it's like, yeah. this is even longer attention span. So, but then someone's <laughs> like, this movie's an hour and 45 minutes. No, thanks. But then yeah. they'll watch like six hours of TV. Yeah, it's very, like, I watch The Queen's Gambit in a day, but it's like, would I sit there for a movie for that long? I don't know. It's weird how it's just packaged differently, but it's pretty much like yeah. a six-hour movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's just um, like any one of the Lord of the Rings movies. Um, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> we grazed over something very important, the story yes. of the grasshopper and the this, octopus. This is my other favorite quote of the series. She says of the this three times series. an episode. <laughs> this is my favorite quote of the whole series. Is Fry getting upset with Leela and saying, this reminds me of the story of the grasshopper and the octopus. All summer long, the grasshopper toiled away, hiding acorns for the winter, while the octopus mooched off his girlfriend. Then the winter came, and the grasshopper died and the octopus ate all his acorns. Also, he got a race car. Is any of this getting through to you? It's the most amazing, <laughs> like, <laughs> quote. I love that But Margaret, I have so to tell much. you, for years, Jinx insisted that the grasshopper and the octopus was a real story. And that <laughs> no, was I not... No, not. Yes, you did. <laughs> you sometimes take things that I do as a bit as if I'm actually, like, believe that. Like, I'm just up, really Mom. good at committing to bits. <laughs> <laughs> um, the speech goes off without a hitch, even though Fry did not study, because he wrote the entire thing <laughs> on his forearm, which seems hard. <laughs> um, I love that the oath is just reciting everyone who's killed someone to get there. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very, like, Nathaniel begat. Solomon, who begat, oh, you know, yeah, from the yeah. Bible. It's from a very, very Old Testament. Yeah. yeah. Do you like the Old Testament, Margaret? <laughs> you like the um, Old Are you more of an Old Testament or a New Testament? The Old Testament is, like, full of such weird um, laws, like don't eat <laughs> seafood and mm -hmm. don't wear mixed fabrics. Like, it's very uh, hard line, very strange. Like, don't jerk <laughs> off into the sand. Don't spill your seed yeah. anywhere. Like, Which it's, is it's fine, because there's no sand in my house, so I've been okay. Yeah, <laughs> it's fine. But it's the weirdest, um, in contrast to the New Testament, it's 
The New Testament, I think, is super uh, gay. <laughs> yeah, it's a queer text. <laughs> it's very queer. I'm more interested in the things that like came out around the time of the Old Testament. You know, like the things that were heavily influenced by the Bible, but not the Bible. Like the mm-hmm. whole thing about like Jinx Lilith. doesn't like the Beatles. She likes the monkeys. I love the monkeys. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm just being very contrarian now. I'm more into the Torah. Um, uh, but <laughs> I um, so we. <laughs> I just. What is I feel the story? like I completely you lost start. my train of thought. <laughs> I was going to go off on a whole tangent about the, the the myths of Lilith, you know, Adam's first wife. But really, we should talk about Futurama. Um, Fry completes the speech. Uh, the sun set. The, the water people start glowing. And that's <gasps> we when we learn that really the emperor... We skipped another really important thing. Oh I forgot. God, we'll I jumped just... <laughs> ahead. I jumped ahead. But this is another thing that's so important. What? The stand-up comedian. Oh, Yes. Oh, he's the like, comedian is great. The comedian is great. The people under and the I'm orange like, sun are like. Boop, 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 boop. Uh, uh, this is so like evening at the improv, like comedy, uh, like '90s stand-up comedy on television. Was that? That was so perfect. Very that, like premium blend, like. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> well, we know that a lot of the writers on The Simpsons and Futurama have. Um, you know, histories in stand-up because I feel like anytime either of these shows make commentary on stand-up, just on the little bit I know about stand-up, mm-hmm. it seems like they've got a really insider knowledge. Like, there's that whole episode where Krusty goes on an existential crisis <laughs> because <laughs> he realizes he's a sellout, so he has to get back into his, like, retouch with his stand-up roots. And doesn't he become, like, a parody of George Carlin? <laughs> he's sort of yeah. a Carlin yeah. type. He's, like, a truth yeah. speaker type. <laughs> Like, yeah. it just, I don't even know enough about stand-up to appreciate all of that. But I watching that episode, I'm like, someone in this writer's room has some chip on his shoulder. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. It's really good. Yeah. It's very inside. Well, Margaret, you're the only stand-up comedian I like. Don't tell the other stand-up comedians. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, you were the first stand-up comedian that I, like, um... It was like I found you at the same time I was like finding my queerness and I was starting to become an independent teenage person, you know. (laughs) So I don't think I was ever even allowed to watch stand up before I got my hands on Notorious CHO, you know, like I really followed the rules until about age 14 when I really, you know, that's when I became (laughs) the little slut that I am. Yeah. (laughs) I'm so glad. Um, um, there's, they're in the uh, speech area and Fry's stomach starts glowing because all the, um, water people are glowing and everyone <laughs> all realizes. All the water people are glowing. <laughs> we don't get to learn much about their, their practices and their rituals because we are quickly interrupted by the emperor yelling from within Fry's stomach. Now... <laughs> If he could always, like, he can yell from inside Fry's stomach. It's almost like the emperor didn't even know he was still alive until he started glowing. Maybe he fell asleep. 
<laughs> and the glowing woke him up. Yeah. He's like, oh, what is that? <laughs> and, oh, whoa, where am I? Anyway, so immediately the problem becomes um, that the emperor is inside of Fry and the water people want to um, kill Fry to drain the emperor out of him. And Fry's friends have to find a way to get the emperor out of Fry without uh, killing him. Maybe. I mean, lots of suggestions still involve killing Fry, but... <laughs> yeah, Dr. Zoidberg suggests a centrifuge that will spin <laughs> him around at a great speed until it all comes out. And then there's also a big juicer that the water people bring. There's a <laughs> the lot of juicer. ways that involve turning Fry into kind of a pulp. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what I like is there's the, um, you know, there's the impending doom of the water people wanting to kill Fry, but they also have some time because as the water people are throwing themselves against the door, <laughs> they're just splashing and becoming puddles. And I love the <laughs> prime minister saying, keep at it, boys. <laughs> We're starting to crack the veneer, you know. Like, <laughs> so we've got some time. Fry's going to be okay. <laughs> Um, They're locked in the throne room. Yeah. And by the way, this palace is... So I went to uh, Palm Springs one time (laughs) and I was looking at the Airbnbs and there was one that had like a big pool and it was cheap and I looked at the interior design and it looked like this place, but like louder. So we didn't end up staying there. (laughs) Okay. But I would live in this palace. Was that just a story to bring up that you went to Palm Springs? Doesn't this give you a Palm Springs vibe? <laughs> this whole palace adventure? Everyone's thirsty. <laughs> and yeah. if there was a pool there, I would want to live there. But it seems like there's not because people are made of water. Right. <laughs> like, what would a pool be? <laughs> this one time when I was in Palm Springs, it's I was renting a place with a pool. Palm Springs. It was nice. <laughs> But it's arid. And it's very gay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I went during like a... the pandemic, so I didn't get to see any gay stuff. We just oh. had to stay inside near our pool. But there's like, um, I think the pandemic sped up something that was already happening, but a huge gay migration to Palm Springs. Because like all the mm-hmm. gays I know who were living in WeHo have all migrated to Palm Springs. Yeah. So yeah. something. Uh, do you think there's going to be like a new queer mecca there? Is it only yeah. for rich oh, people? Yeah. It no, is a little. No. It's very. It's but it's there's a like affordable places. Like I have friends who moved into um, kind of this like park that's like a trailer park, but it also has houses and it's really nice. So, but it's not as as like expensive as buying a house. So it was really a good investment, I thought. So there's a lot mm. of really nice places, but it's very gay to me. But mm. not yeah. not. Um, it's like every gay over 40. <laughs> yeah. There's this like, when I see the videos of Bianca Del Rio riding around Palm Springs in her mm-hmm. golf cart, it just makes me think like it's like the queer celebrity retirement. Um, <laughs> Which I love. But I guess it would be pre-retirement because it's like these people aren't like retiring. These people nice are just like <laughs> successful no. middle-aged people. <laughs> I mean, I'm sort of taking my retirement now and then when the pandemic's over, I'll start working again. And so I'm like thinking, okay, well, I'm just pretending I'm retired for the next yeah. like two years or whatever. And then I'll take that off of my retirement actually when I do retire. 
That sounds uh, like a more healthy place to be in than where I'm at, where I'm full Norma Desmond right now. I'm like walking around my house like, Max, where are my fan letters, Max? I still get them every day. I'm still famous. They still want me. Um. <laughs> Which I love, like Eric Von Stroheim writing the letters. To, her. It, it, to me, that I love, I wish I had... A Von Stroheim like boyfriend who would like be my Max and like live here and I think that movie is really romantic. <laughs> it's it's a really fantastic fantastic film and then everything since Wait. then. So we're talking about Sunset Boulevard, Sunset Boulevard. now. Which you've never seen. <laughs> That's not true. I, I saw it on my honeymoon. Thank you very much. So it was one of those ago? movies. Yeah, and that's why I'm currently obsessed with it. Thank you. I, I always get so obsessed much. with things very late. It's I'll just save you would from quote telling it for, you that. I don't care that you got into it late. It's just you would quote it and you had never seen it. <laughs> <laughs> I quote lots of things I've never seen. I quote you and your comedy all the time, and I've never once been to one of your shows. <laughs> <laughs> also not true. <laughs> um, anyway, in terms of Futurama, they decide they're going to give Fry to f- cry out the emperor. Um, well, they but- first have to call Leela, <laughs> who's punching a bag with no, Fry's Leela face comes, on it. No, Le- Leela comes to save Fry. No, there's a funny and- part where Bender says... Look, I don't like you and you don't like me, but we got to work together. (laughs) Oh, well, anyway. (laughs) And then later he interrupts her and he's like, wait, 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 wait. What is it you like about me the most? (laughs) Yeah, there's never. So then she comes to help. There's never wasted conversations on Futurama. They get Fry to um, call, I mean, they get Fry to cry his first tear when they're pretending that Leela's being killed. But of course, she's kicking ass because Leela um, always kicks ass. If, if she, specifically kicking. She's very good at kicking. It's those um, boots. <laughs> um, and then I they all get decide. kicked with one of those boots, you know? It's like two Doc Martens, but, you know, in one boot. <laughs> They make a lot of jokes throughout the show about Leela's feet and those boots. I I think there must be a foot fetishist on in on, on the writing staff. As a foot there's fetishist myself, foot, I can identify. Yeah. <laughs> I can identify one, someone maybe. sneaking it in, yeah. you know. <laughs> there's always one. Listen, in the biz, you just got to accept that in the writers room there will be at least one foot fetishist. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, so, what about that time where Fry and Leela are eating the chips with their feet? That was that guy who wrote it. <laughs> there's lots of foot fetish throughout Futurama, and now that we've talked about it, we'll have to remember when we when we we can have a we segment. Have to jot down moments. Can Michael make of, us a theme song for the foot fetish segment? Just for the foot fetish? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we need a bumper. You know, like a stinger. That's what this show's missing. I'm the producer. I don't know if you know that, Margaret. I have a lot of jobs. <laughs> All right, we have to wrap it up, but let's get through the entire episode. They start beating the tears out of Fry. The One of the best bits is that, you know, like they show the passage of time and they've been beating up Fry for so long, getting him to cry that eventually the emperor himself is the one beating up Fry because he's they've fully been, like, out of Fry shifts. now. <laughs> They're Everyone's all tired exhausted and Amy from just, beating like, up Fry. Kicking him. Alone. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, you know, I think this episode um, 
what the best thing to take away from the episode because always you know everything resets to be exactly how it was um before the episode started that's the big thing about cartoons and animated shows and it's you know they oftentimes make jokes about it like everything has to go back to the way it was when it started except Fry and Leela's relationship has taken a big step forward because I think we've now set the precedent that Leela is the dominant persona in in Fry and um, Leela's relationship. And even though Fry, as the male person in the relationship, is expected to be the macho in charge person, that's not how their relationship is going to be. He is um, like a male person because he delivers packages. He's like a lovable beta male, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I don't see anything wrong with that. Fry's perfect um, as kind of the squishy little, like, helpless baby that he is sometimes. Because he also has a lot of good qualities. I'm, I have a big crush on Fry, so there's that. I always ask um, if there was what character on the show do you self-identify with the most and what character do you um, find yourself most drawn to, like attracted to, or like if they were a real life person, who (laughs) would you want to (laughs) bang? I think Leela, that that I would want to be and fuck. To me, like, oh yeah, perfect. Now, are you fucking a clone of yourself or are you just having some one-on-one time with yourself? (laughs) I think both. I think it's like, it takes that sort of like, it's like, you know, like a a Castro clone. It's like a Castro clone. (laughs) Like when you go to the Castro and you see two boyfriends who look the same? Yeah. (laughs) Or did you mean Fidel Castro? Fidel Castro. Yeah. Does he have doubles like um, Saddam? Doubles, yeah. Doubles. Okay. <laughs> I love I love it. I literally thought you meant just like twin boyfriends. <laughs> that, I mean, I have put my foot in my mouth so many times because I've like Got assumed a that a couple No, because <laughs> <laughs> No, because I've assumed a couple was were brothers or um <laughs> or I assumed brothers were a couple, you know. Mm. I think um, we've talked about, you know, like when you're in a same sex relationship, you double your wardrobe, but you also run the risk of people thinking um, you're your human brothers. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had a girl. I, I was dating a girl who she was 25 years younger than me, but um, she's Japanese American and we look alike and people thought she was my daughter. Oh, no. And I was like, oh, my God. So embarrassing. <laughs> that's um <laughs> I have friends who are couples where that's that's happened. Um mm-hmm. and it does I have to imagine it would feel mortifying. No one's thought my partner was my brother or my son, except when I am in drag and I stand next to him, I could not look more like this child's mother, you know? (laughs) And, you know, something happens when you get into drag where you just become larger than you are in real life. You become taller, your hair becomes bigger. And so, like, in pictures, it looks like someone zoomed in on me, but not him. Like, we're standing (laughs) next to each other, and somehow I look like I've been magnified and he looks normal size. (laughs) <laughs> it's like a forced perspective Lord of the Rings kind of shot. Yeah. 
<laughs> Margaret, do you think you would watch more Futurama? Will you seek it out or will you just yes. like when it's on in the background, you might tune into it? <laughs> I think I would seek it out. You know, it's it's very funny. I know I've seen much of it before. And it's just something that I need to revisit because it reminds me of so many things and it's still very fresh. So it's like going back to the Simpsons, going back to any of those great older animations. It's really fun. It's a great binge. (laughs) It is a good binge. It's all on Hulu. Um, Mm -hmm. Have you, um, are there any other animated shows that, um, that you love we we talked about the one on youtube which i would butcher the pronunciation so you're gonna have to text it's it ch- to child tune <laughs> it's so good um and then i i also um i think i i really love like a good scooby-doo i love like an old like um you know a bullwinkle i love an old oh, bullwinkle like, is fun. Uh, daria daria's a yeah. good one daria's, daria's, really good. daria's such a specific it's just a, such a specific moment in time. I think Daria, mm-hmm. like, more, more than anything else, like, encapsulates the 90s to me. <laughs> yeah. It's really a time capsule. Well, King of the Hill, too, is really, like, a time capsule. King of the Hill like is amazing. Um, it's it's really hard amazing. to get. I think it's hard to get my gay boy friends into King of the Hill because a lot of them report that the animation creeps them out. <laughs> It's it is. It's so like freaky. It's but it's also really heartwarming too. It's really tender. So there's a lot of it that's like, oh, it's really sweet. So but yeah, it is freaky too. Yeah. It does I mean, I I don't feel that way about King of King of the Hill, but the Beavis and Butthead animation creeps me out. Mm. Even more so now that I've seen the very terrifying Beavis and Butthead porn parody. Um <laughs> oh, no. where they it's like the women in the porn are just, you know, how they look in real life. But the two men playing Beaver and Buttface or Beaver and mm-hmm. Buttload oh or whatever God. his name is, they're wearing prosthetics to make them look more like the cartoon characters. And oh, it's very that's terrifying. So scary. That's yeah. really scary. But I do that's recommend really watching it. It's one of the greats. Like Oliver Twink is another wonderful piece of adult cinema. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, have you ever seen Twinklight? Twink Light's Mm-mm. very boring for what it could have been. It could it's, have been better. <laughs> it's one of those things that they um instead they took of Bella, it too his name's Billa. <laughs> it's Billa. Because <laughs> his name is Bill, they put an A on it. <laughs> I think good porn parodies have to know that the, they have to lean into the camp when they try mm. to, to when they think they're gonna be creating something actually artistically beautiful, that's when <laughs> <laughs> the porn has run away with them. <laughs> <laughs> what porn parody well, do you wish existed that doesn't? <laughs> um, gosh, probably uh, an Avengers, a big Avengers <laughs> one. Oh, but like a know? big budget, yeah. A big budget, very a huge one would be great. You know, or like a a porn Marvel universe would be great. <gasps> oh yeah, where they can kind of like pop up in each other's movies. I love that idea. Yeah, yeah. Men dot com did a did an X Men spoof. I mean, Manila played. Wonder Woman. I mean, they're just scenes. They're not the big, like, expansive parody film that uh, from the golden years of porn. <laughs> but Manila played Wonder Woman in a Avengers um, gay porn parody. That's not Avengers. Just oh. one That's scene. Justice League. That's Justice League. Uh, yeah. Damn you it. look like an idiot. Well, 
I'm so I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm trying my best here. I was never born for digital entertainment. I just <laughs> um Thank you so much for being our, our guest today, Margaret. Do you have anything Thank you. Um, if we were to give you um, uninterrupted time to promote something or, or <laughs> say something that's important to you right now? Is there anything? Um, I don't know. I'll be back on tour when all the quarantine's over. But until then, uh, I'll see people at Margaret Cho on Twitter, at Margaret underscore Cho on Instagram and margaretcho.com for anything else. Wonderful. Go follow Margaret. You can see her cute dog <laughs> and her upcoming She's cat. She's so cute. Yeah, and, and the kitties. If you're looking for things um, to watch while you're still in quarantine, find all of Margaret's comedy specials. My favorite yes. thing about you as a stand-up comedian is that you always find the ability to be funny and informative and like irreverent <laughs> and inspiring all within the same special. And you truly Aww. are one of my heroes. Mm-hmm. So it's very exciting thank that we you. got to do this today. So thank you very much. Thank you so um, much. And beyond all the gushy stuff, thank you for playing playing um was it kim jong un on, yeah. <laughs> on 30 rock that is one of your great yeah. contributions to society so thank, thank you very you much, very much. <laughs> thank you